Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. Hello, everyone. Thanks for being here today. I want to welcome those who are joining us in the Beacon, as well as those joining us online. Thanks for watching today. Um, so there is a ministry in town called Lifeline Ministries, and we've been partnering with them for a little while. And one of the things that they do is they have this apprenticeship program where they they teach these young students how to remodel and fix up homes. And so here is a picture of one of the ho- houses that they fixed up um, recently. And um, this is all done by students. And this was in the parade of homes. And so once they graduate from the program, they have a guaranteed job at DJ Construction. How cool is that? Man, that's just so cool. So anyway, um, Lifeline Ministries is a ministry that's doing good things here in town. And so we support them and help them out. And uh, we called them and just said, hey, is there anything that you need? And they said that they could use some tools. So here's a picture of uh, some tools that we bought for them. That is Daryl Peterson. He's the director of Lifeline Ministries. And we bought a whole hog drill, a framing nailer, and a circular saw. and um, he said, thank you so much for these. This was, I think, on Thursday because I'm taking these to the job site to be used today. So thank you guys so much for your generosity. Because of your generosity, uh, we set aside, as Matt said in the announcements, 10% to go out into outreach locally and around the world. So thanks for doing that. Okay, so for today's message, I have a question for you to be thinking about. Have you ever been misunderstood? <laughs> A lot of guys in here, so they all are like, yep, been there, done that. Well, the English language, did you guys know that the English language is one of the most complex languages? Maybe Chinese is a little bit harder, but it's one of the most complex languages in the world because you can say the same thing and it means something totally different, right? I mean, that happens all the time. So anyway, here's a couple of examples that I found of this. So first of all, let's eat grandma or let's eat grandma. Punctuation saves lives. <laughs> Some of you are just getting that, right? Well, along the same lines, here's another one. Your dinner versus your dinner. One leaves you nourished, one leaves you dead. Grammar saves lives. Here's another one. Every time someone types too funny, I immediately picture them first fist in the air going on a quest to find funny. Some of you don't know the difference between two and two, right? T-O and T-O-O. All right. So here's another one. Unnecessary punctuation is very disturbing. Employee must wash hands. (laughs) If you go to a restaurant and that's in the restroom, don't eat there. That's my recommendation. Here's one more. Attention, toilet only for disabled, elderly, pregnant children. (laughs) It doesn't get used very much. It's my guess. (laughs) You like that one, Hope? And in honor of Valentine's Day, this is for the guys. All right, this last tip. If you don't think punctuation is important, try forgetting the comma when you tell someone, I'm sorry I love you. 
sorry. I love you. There's a pause there, guys. There's a pause when you say that later today. All right. So you ever had a time when you were misunderstood? Just think about that for a second. There was a, a time on a mission trip. So I don't speak Spanish very well. I try really hard. Okay. I try really hard. I know a few words. And when I go on mission trips to Spanish speaking countries, I break out all six of those words and I try to use them. And then I mix in some French and just, it's all just one mess. They call it Clintonese when anyone is with me. That's what I say. So I remember one time I was on a mission trip, I believe it was to Nicaragua. And uh, I'm hanging out with some of the locals there. And so I break out my Spanish. I know that caliente means hot. I know that frio means cold. And so I was introducing my friend and I said, I wanted to say, this is my cool friend, right? And so I said, mi frio amigo. If you know Spanish, that doesn't really work, does it, Anna? No, it doesn't work. That means my cold friend. It's not the same as my cool friend. I was trying to say that. And so anyway, so anytime I'm in a, a Spanish-speaking country, I try really hard, but most of the time I'm misunderstood. Now, being misunderstood can be funny, right? It can be funny, but it can also cause a lot of hurt feelings. Right, because at the end of the day, we really don't want to be misunderstood what our for what our intentions are, or what our heart is, or or what we meant to say. Right? I mean, we we really want to be understood. But when it comes to God, let's talk about God for a moment. I believe that there are a ton of misunderstandings. I believe that God is misunderstood more than most. Many people believe that God is distant, that he is angry, that he is uncaring, that he is judgmental. In fact, Michelangelo painted a uh, painting on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel in 1511 with God in it. A um, portion of that painting is called The Creation of the Sun, Moon, and Plants. So just take a look at this part of the painting. That's God during creation, let's zoom in a little bit more. You look at God's face one more. I mean, <laughs> doesn't God look just angry? I don't know. They're just, but he just looks angry. But let me just say that that's not who God is. Our God is not an angry God. He's not sitting on the throne just waiting to punish the sinner. That's not the heart of God. But I believe that he's been misunderstood quite a bit in our culture. Now, when Jesus was here on earth, he knew this. And so he, he knew his father in heaven. And so he tried to explain who God is. And today we're going to be studying how God the Son, Jesus Christ, describes God the Father. But we're in week two of our series called The Good Stuff, studying the words of Jesus. And in this series, we are looking just at what Jesus said. While he was here on earth, he was here for 33 years, but he really did his ministry during three years. And so we're studying what I would consider the best stuff in the Bible, the very words of Jesus. And we're going to be looking at those today. And if you, list, if you missed last week's message, it was called a tough task, loving our enemies, because Jesus talked about loving our enemies, being doing good to those who are mean to us. And if you missed that, you can catch it online 
You can watch it on Facebook or YouTube. But today we're going to be in a section of scripture in the book of Luke. You can turn there if you would like. Luke is the third gospel in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we'll be in, you look here, chapter 15. You can turn there, Luke chapter 15. Now, I will be reading quite a bit of scripture today. So you guys just kind of hang in there with me because Jesus is asked about his heart, basically his heart towards sinners, and he wants to explain it. And he explains it with three parables. So I'm going to read all three of these stories. All right, starting with verse one, chapter 15. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. I just want to stop there for a second because this is the reason that Jesus has to explain this because they believed the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Those were the religious leaders at that time. And they're muttering about Jesus because he's hanging, because he's hanging out with sinners. All right. And they, they pretty much believe that if you were from God, you wouldn't hang out with sinners because us religious folks, we represent God. At least they thought they did. And we won't hang out with the sinners. They're below us. They're below us. We don't hang out with them. So they're muttering this and Jesus overhears and says, man, you got it all wrong. Let me explain God's heart towards the sinner to you. And so he does that by telling these three stories. The first one is called the parable of the lost sheep. Verse three. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I'll tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. And that wasn't enough. He tells another story, the parable of the lost coin. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, She calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And he continues. He tells one more story, the parable of the lost son. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. 
But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. So those three stories talk about God's heart toward the sinner. So the message title is Misunderstood, Clarifying God's Heart Toward the Sinner. And I'm going to try to give us a couple of points, a couple of ways to clear up these misconceptions of God's heart towards the sinner. And by the way, we are all sinners, right? Scripture says pretty clearly, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's just some of us who have gone to God and repented. So some of us are forgiven, right? But this is God's heart towards the sinner, towards those who are far away from God. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, so I'll give you a couple of points you can fill in, but first let me pray. Lord, I pray that you would send your Holy Spirit to be in the midst of this room and over in the beacon and even those who are watching online, Father. I pray that you would speak to our hearts, Lord, minister to our hearts. And Lord, if we are close to you, I pray that you would mold our heart to be more like yours when it comes to those who are far away from God. And Lord, today, if if we're watching or listening today and we are far from you, I pray, God, that you would soften our hearts, be receptive to your love. And Lord, I pray that you would give me your words to speak in Jesus' name. Amen. By clarifying two misconceptions about God's heart toward the sinner. First of all, God's heart isn't angry at sinners. Instead, he hopes that the lost will be found. God's not angry. I mean, his hope is that the lost will be found. So here's the section of scripture from the story of the lost son, the last story. This is the lost son. He says, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But listen to this. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The father's response to his son was not anger. It was love and compassion. Here's a stock photo of a lost child. So if you're walking through a park and you saw this little girl with that scared look on her face, I mean, how would you feel? Right? I mean, how would you feel? You wouldn't be like, oh, that silly girl. Why is she out here by herself? You know what she thinks? What, what does she think she's doing? That's probably not how you would feel, right? You would probably be like, oh, no, she looks lost. She looks lost. We need to help her find her way, right? We need to help her find her parents, find her way back home. 
In the same way, God's heart towards a sinner is not anger. He, he looks at the sinner as someone who has just simply lost their way. In verse 24, he says, For this son of mine, this is the father speaking who represents God, was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Now, when you read that story of the lost son, you may think, well, no, he wasn't really lost. He knew exactly what he was doing. He took half of his inheritance, you know, his half of the inheritance, and he went off and he spent it on wild living. So he got what he deserved. Good thing we're not God, right? Because that's not the way that I want God to treat me. And that's not the way that God sees the sinner, the person who is far away from God. He just simply looks at them and says, They've lost their way. They've lost their way. God is our heavenly father. He created each and every one of us. And when he looks at us, he looks at us from a parental point of view. It reminded me of this meme. This is animal from the Muppets. If I had a dollar for every time someone told me I was handsome, I would have, have exactly one dollar. Thanks, Mom. But it's just true, right? As parents, if you're a parent here, we look at our kids in a very different way. You know? They're all the best-looking babies. You ever seen an ugly baby? Yeah, but they, they weren't mine. <laughs> And they weren't yours, right? Because, I mean, to a parent, there is no ugly baby. That's the same way that God looks at us. He doesn't get mad at us. He just looks at us as lost. If we're far from him. And what's his hope? His hope is that we turn back to him to be found. That's his hope. So if today you are far away from God, let me just, just remind you that for the lost son, it was, it was pleasurable for a moment when he, was, when he had the money and he was spending the money and he was having a good time. And sin is like that. Life away from God, it can be fun for a moment. But scripture says the wages of sin is death. And there comes a time when sin is not fun anymore because it causes destruction. Destruction in your life and it's destruction in other people's lives. And so my encouragement to you, if you're far away from God today, is to turn back to him before it's too late, before destruction comes. It took this, this son being in the point where he's feeding pigs and has nothing to realize that he had lost his way. Don't wait for that. Turn to him today. Because God's not going to greet you in anger. Not at all. All right, here's your fill-in. Our Heavenly Father thinks you are the cutest. <laughs> I don't, don't know about you, but I can be pretty ugly sometimes, and still God looks at me and goes, oh, that's, he's so cute. Maybe. I don't know. He says it about you, though. He definitely says it about you. So that's the first uh, misconception that God is angry. Here's the second one. 
God doesn't punish sinners when we come to him. He celebrates. Think about that. Because I do think that many times we feel like if we're far from God and we've sinned, that man, if we turn back to God, it's going to be angry and he's going to punish us. That's, that's the way we feel. But that's not what Jesus says about his heavenly father. When uh, in the first story of the lost sheep, when the shepherd finds the sheep, he doesn't yell at the sheep and beat it. No, that's not what scripture says. When he finds it, verse five, it says, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. Then he uses the illustration of a lost coin. And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. And then in the lost son story, the father says, bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. I mean, these three stories are illustrating God's heart towards the sinner. He's just saying when they come back, not only is he not angry, but he celebrates and he rejoices and he tells everybody about it. So when I was eight years old, I was in a church service and the, the pastor was talking about heaven and hell. And in that service, I decided I don't want to go to hell. That sounds like a bad place. I want to go to heaven. So I met with a pastor and I decided to start following Jesus that day. All right. So I gave my life to Jesus, made him my Lord and Savior. And at eight years old, you know, it's pretty young, but I started following Jesus. Now, fast forward about five years. I'm a teenager now. And, uh, and to be honest, I, I was far from God. Now, I still went to church. But if you looked at my life compared to everyone else's life, in, I think it was in eighth grade, um, you know, I was the same as far as morality went or maybe even just a little bit worse. That decision that I had made at eight years old wasn't impacting my life at 13. So I went to a concert. My parents took me to a, a Christian concert. The band was called Sacrifice of Praise, and they had a really good drummer. That's what I remember. They had a really good drummer. And in that concert, at the end of it, they, they preached the gospel. They talked about Jesus. They said, you can give your heart back to God if you're far from him. And, uh, and, I, and I sat there and I'm like, I'm not going to do that. Everybody thinks I'm a Christian. What would it look like if I, if I went forward and, and prayed? So I didn't. I remember I, I white knuckled it. I actually like hung onto my seat and said, there's no way I'm getting up. And I, and I didn't. I got through the, you know, the altar call, the invitation for prayer. And, and, uh, and I saw some people who went forward and man, they were like happy and their life was changed. And I'm, and I still was carrying this conviction and this sin uh, as I left that place. But I remember on my way home, I was talking to my parents and, and I said, you know, I almost, I almost went forward because I'm, I'm far from God right now. And you know, my parents' response to that was not anger. I mean, they were super excited because they were my parents. They, you know, they know, by the way, kids, 
your parents know what your spiritual condition is most of the time. And so my parents knew that I was not close to God. And so it wasn't a revelation to them that I, that I needed to get my life back in order. But they rejoiced. They were super excited that I recommitted my life that day and uh, I've been following Jesus ever since. I haven't been perfect, but I've been following Jesus ever since. And they rejoice and celebrate him. Guys, that's, that's the way God, the Father, looks at us. There are times when we have lost our way. And, and he, he doesn't look at us and go, I'm mad at that sinner. He looks at us like you saw that, that young girl who was lost. And his heart reaches out to us and says, just, just come back home. I'll show you the way home. He doesn't hold our mistakes against us. Second Corinthians 5.17 says this. I love this scripture. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. Just stop there for a moment. When we come to Jesus, when we come to God, we are a new creation. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not get this, not counting people's sins against them. When we turn to God, he doesn't hold our past mistakes against us. Now our friends or family or coworkers might, but God the Father does not. He looks at us and says, you're found. You're found. Let me show you the way. Let me show you the way. That's the God we serve. And you know, the reality is God did not have to be like that. I mean, he's omnipotent. He is the master of the universe. He rules it all. He could be an angry God. You know, he could just tell us what to do and make us do it. But that's not who our God is. Our God is loving and compassionate. And his heart goes out to the sinner. He wants what's best for each one of us. Here's your last filling. God doesn't want to hold a trial. He wants to throw a party. I mean, that's God's heart. He doesn't want to hold a trial. He doesn't want to hold our sins against us. He really, he just wants to celebrate that we are found. All right, I'm going to turn ministry time over to Tony and the Beacon and invite Rose to come up here. So the past few weeks, the Lord has been talking to me a lot about his love and compassion and his grace and his mercy for me. But I also know that it's true for everyone in this room that his love is endless. There is no beginning and there's no end to his love for every human on this planet. Not just us, but for every human on this planet. 
And because He created us and because He has such a great love for us, He wants to have relationship with us. He created us for a relationship. Do we not want to have relationships in our lives? Because it's awfully lonely without that. So this morning, I'm going to present an opportunity to have a relationship with Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who died on the cross and he rose again. For some of it, it may be the first time that you decide to have a relationship with him. It's not a lot of do's and don'ts, but it's a relationship. He can fill those lonely places. He can fill those painful places. He can fill those places that are just hard. So if that's you, you're in a place in your life, you're like, yeah, it's time. It's time to have a relationship with him. I want you to raise your hand. Or maybe you have a relationship with him, but there's a part of your life (laughs) that you haven't completely given to him. The thing about God is that he he wants all of us. He wants every part of us, not just a little bit of here, a little bit there, but he wants all of us. It's called surrender, complete surrender. That's the cool thing about God, that he cares about every part of our lives. So if you have a part of your life that you haven't given to him, whether it's your marriage, your relationship with your kids, the things in your life that you like to do, like what God's asking you to give it up. If you have a part of your life that you need to surrender, are you willing to give it up to Him? Why don't you stand with me? So if you're in a place in your life where You're like, yeah, I need to surrender that part of my life. Honestly, I have a part of that in my life. If that's you, why don't you come forward? 
just a simple act of obedience. Are you angry about something? It's okay to be the first one. Okay, if you know it's you, you can talk to me after the service. I know there's someone in this room. <laughs> I'm just going to read this. Someone who has committed a sin that they think God cannot forgive. God doesn't have any barriers. <laughs> so if you'd like to talk to me afterwards or talk to Pastor Clint, we're available for that. Okay, so I'm going to pray and close. So God, I thank you that you long to have relationship with every one of us. And I thank you that you love us so much and you have so much compassion for us that you want every part of our lives. picture of a heart that there's just this one corner <laughs> that isn't completely God's. And you're not willing to give up that little part of that heart. There's this one area you're not willing to let go of. So Holy Spirit, would you come just bring clarity to that, Lord. Lord, I thank you for your peace. I thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy, Lord. So God, I pray as we go through the rest of our day, Lord, that you would speak to us, Lord, that you would meet us where we are and bring clarity of who you are and who you created us to be in relationship with you. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for meeting us here. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So if anybody needs to talk to Clint or I, um, we are available. And we also have a prayer team that is available for any kind of prayer that you want for this morning. Have a good day. 
Well, that's it for today's message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthouseofvineyard.church. Thank you for being part of our family, and we will see you next time.